Awesome. Thank you, Matt. Hello, everybody. Um, I am really excited to be speaking with you guys. Going over this passage uh, really helped me in these last weeks just to understand more um, in my life, and I hope that I can help you guys do the same. Um, we're talking about the last chapter in Ephesians, Ephesians 6. And in this chapter, the major things that I wanted to pull out that Paul addresses are authority and spiritual warfare. Uh, authority especially can be a really touchy subject, uh, but Paul, the author, has some words for both those under authority and for those who have authority. Before we read it, I actually want to share just a story that really impacted the way um, I view work and the way that I see uh, authority in my life. So imagine high school Josh. Okay, I was uh, maybe a little shorter. You know, it was a long time ago. Not that long, but long enough, you know. And I got my first job, and I was really excited. And I was working in a call center uh, just doing customer service. You know, it was nothing uh, super flashy, but I would pull the night shifts because, uh, you know, I was still in school, and so I would, I would work at night. And the calls would get pretty slow. We didn't have a lot of calls to answer, right? And uh, one of the things I would do, this might date me a little bit, but I would play Words with Friends, this awesome new Facebook game that had just come out. And um, I would do that when I wasn't answering calls because, you know, I didn't, even, I didn't even really think about it that much. I just kind of thought, well, I'm not doing anything and I want to have fun, so I will play this game with friends. And one night that I was you know, doing this, um, the other guy on the night shift with me, his name was Jeff, he walked past, and he was maybe getting some water or something, and he saw that I was playing a game, and he said, hey, like, do you think that's something you should be doing like at work? And I kind of thought about it, and maybe it was a little defensive, and I said, well, I'm still, you know, I'm still answering calls, I'm still doing what I'm here for, like, I think it's fine, right? You know, like, <laughs> I was just kind of, uh, defending myself. And uh, the thing he said next really changed the way I thought about my work and the way I thought about my bosses and the way I, I thought about them. He said, you know, Randy, who's the guy who hired me, he's like the boss's boss's boss, right? Uh, Randy hired you and is paying you to actually work for him during these hours, right? Like he's paying you to get work done. Um, do you think it's honoring to God or to Randy for you to spend time that he's paying you playing a game. And that had not crossed my mind, <laughs> you know? I was, I was young, I was just in my first job. I, didn't, I wasn't thinking about uh, what would honor my employer, you know, the way that I worked. But he was totally right. Like, that, that changed the way that I thought about my work. And I started to get better about using downtime like that to, to develop skills and to just um, do things that would grow my ability to contribute instead of just wasting it uh, on doing things that I could, should be doing on my own time. And I want to tell you that story because this idea is stated really clearly in this chapter. Uh, it came to mind as I read it. So I'm going to read Ephesians 6. I'm starting at verse 5. If you have a Bible or a Bible app, you can use that to read along with me. It says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear, and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. 
Now, in biblical times, um, when he says slaves here, most people were like indentured servants working to pay off a debt. I just wanted to address that really quickly because that's a pretty charged word nowadays. But um, he's addressing these, these people who are under very, pretty heavy authority, uh, you know, who are interacting with their masters. And then he addresses the masters as well. And whether you are under authority or you have authority, God wants to be honored by the way you treat people. And this doesn't depend on how people treat us, right? He doesn't say anything like, uh, okay, guys, like, obey your masters um, as you obey Christ if they're, you know, kind to you all the time. He doesn't say that. Uh, He just says, obey them as you would obey Christ, right? And then Paul reminds us that God is over every person, regardless of how much authority you have, whether it's a lot or a little, and that God is the one everyone should be trying to please. And this goes totally against our nature. Um, What comes naturally is actually wanting our own way. I've experienced this. I know you have. And I just want to tell you from a firsthand experience, I actually have a daughter who turned one about a month ago. Her name is Elsie. And I love her so much. And she's really sweet uh, about 98% of the time. And when she wants something, she makes it very clear uh, to me and to my wife very quickly that what she wants matters more than what mom and dad think. Uh, recently, we were actually out in our yard, and there, there are rocks, okay, because it's outside. And rocks are like the best toy ever, if you ask Elsie. You can throw them. That's, that's it. I don't know. Like, she just really likes playing with rocks. And I saw, you know, I'm sitting there with her. She's throwing rocks in the air. And I, saw, I see the thought go into her mind, like, I wonder what this tastes like. Now, being an adult... I know that rocks are not good to eat, right? She doesn't know that, but I know that rocks are not good to eat. So I go, oh, no, we don't eat that. Take it out of her hand. Guys, she just, it it was a full meltdown, screaming, crying, like so sad. I mean, not as sad as if she'd eaten the rock, but still really sad. And uh, the point I want to make here is that our natural inclination is when we don't get what we want, we just rebel against authority. We do not follow and, you know, that, that can pop up as adults as well. Normally, we're a little more sophisticated in how we go about rebelling, but that same desire is there. But in this passage, God is calling us to obey our, our authorities like Christ. So um, I have a question for you, and this is the same question that, that I had to deal with. It's, uh, do you obey your authorities? It may be your, your boss, your teachers at school, maybe your parents, um, do you obey them the same way you would obey Christ? I want you to ask yourself that question. And uh, do you talk about your authorities, your boss, your teachers, maybe your parents, uh, the same way you talk about Christ? Because that is a, a big way we can honor people or dishonor people is by how we talk about them, whether they're or not. And so I, I think both of those questions are, are very important to consider here. So that's my first point, uh, dealing with, with authority, and that's, those are the questions I have there. The second part of the chapter uh, deals with spiritual warfare. So I'm going to read it, um, starting at verse 10. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. 
And there, there are a couple things that I want to share with you that, that stood out to me from these verses. Number one, in spiritual warfare, in our, in our lives, people are not the enemy. And it is easy to think that the person standing across from disagreeing with you on whatever it is, is, is the enemy. But we cannot be deceived into thinking that we are fighting to destroy other people. Whether they're Christian, non-Christian, people are not the enemy. Uh, they may be lost. They may be deceived, uh, antagonistic, confrontational, uh, even apathetic. <laughs> they just don't care. Um, but people are not an enemy to be defeated. Jesus actually loved them enough to offer himself as a sacrifice on their behalf. And we should do the same as Christians. Uh, Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And I want to clarify something here. Uh, this doesn't mean that we agree with or affirm everything that anyone does. It does mean that we treat people with respect and love in spite of disagreements with them or sinful patterns in their life. And I want to bring up a uh, cultural icon to illustrate this point. Uh, we're going to talk about Darth Vader, okay? Now, Darth Vader is not a good guy, right? Like, we all saw Revenge of the Sith, you know. We know what happened in the Jedi Temple. Woof. Not a good dude. He killed tons of rebels and Jedi, for sure. But in the end of Episode Six in Star Wars, Luke recognizes... Darth Vader is redeemable. He recognizes that he's redeemable. And he, he actually refuses to kill him because he sees that Darth Vader can be saved. And who's, who's the real enemy? The emperor. He's the dude who's actually the enemy here. And Luke is actually willing to die to save his father, even though he obviously disagrees with a lot of the decisions Darth Vader made, right? Like everybody would. Um, he still is willing to die for him. So I think that illustrates the point really well. Like, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So if people are not the enemy in this battle, you know, that we're fighting, how do we fight that? Well, Paul actually tells us directly after listing out the armor of God. And he starts in verse 18. He says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So my second point here in this passage is the call to action is prayer. And, you know, I think that after giving Christians a list of the armor of God, uh, Paul might follow up with something like a little more warlike, you know, a little more uh, something that feels kind of, oh, like, yeah, let's go get him. But no, he says, pray. And he specifically says, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. That's, a, that's pretty encompassing. You know, that, that's a lot of things. Um, and there's a book called The Kneeling Christian that uh, here at Challenge, we, we often quote when we talk about prayer. And I, I was trying to find a specific quote, so I was looking it up, you know, and I just found this page that just listed, it seemed like the whole book, like it was so long, just so many quotes from this book. And I just wanted to share some with you because they, they just personally really convicted and encouraged me uh, to see prayer as the most valuable thing that I can do. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start these here. Why are many Christians so often defeated? Because they pray so little. 
Why are many church workers so often discouraged and disheartened? Because they pray so little. Surely there is nothing so absolutely astonishing as a practically prayerless Christian. In fact, it can easily be shown that all want of success and all failure in the spiritual life and in Christian work is due to defective or insufficient prayer. Unless we pray aright, we cannot live aright or serve aright. And I love this last one. No man dare prescribe for another how long a time he ought to spend in prayer. Nor do we suggest that men should make a vow to pray so many minutes or hours a day. Of course, the Bible command is pray without ceasing. And this is evidently the attitude of prayer, the attitude of one's life. I really love these quotes because they remind me, and they did remind me as I, as I read them, that time spent praying is never wasted. In fact, prayer is actually um, part, should be part of everything we do, and it's probably the most important part. Um, so my question for you here is, do you pray as if you believe God is going to answer? And if the answer is no to that, you have an opportunity in your life to change that right now. So do you pray as if you believe God will answer? And we uh, can't slack off in this spiritual battle. You know, prayer is actually the best way that we can make a difference in the world. It's the way that we fight um, the Christian battle, you know, the spiritual battle. Because when we pray, God works. He answers those prayers. And uh, that's, that's the end of my points. <laughs> I, I'm done. I want to encourage you guys to, to fill out the connection card we put in the chat each week. Um, I know that just for me, having something written down that I want to change and then having somebody follow up with me about that has been one of the best things to actually change what I do in my daily life. And, and we want to be praying for you guys and knowing and helping you follow through on your takeaways. So I'm going to close just by asking God to show us what we need to do in response to his word and in response to, to this chapter in Ephesians. And then after that, the band's going to be back up and we're going to have more time of worship together. So pray with me. Lord, I just ask that you would change something in our hearts tonight, that you would make us more like Christ. Um, God, I pray that your word would really just shine through uh, what I was saying that your truth would really make an impact. And I ask that you would just help us to, to follow through on what we want to change. And that you would make us people of prayer. God, I, I just, I ask that, and I believe that you will answer. I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.